And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 392. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois, where it is beautiful today, actually. Well, it's still cold, but it's been warm enough that our voluminous snow has like 80% melted already. So not too bad, a bit muddy, you know, but it's early springtime weather here in Chicago, and I could not be happier to see things warming up a bit because it was pretty bloody cold before. But anyway, it's not like I'm going outside a lot anyway. I hope y'all are staying safe as well. All right, so uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and move along to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar, you behold And this week we are continuing our coverage of Ragnarok, The Breaking of Helheim by covering issue number four. January 2020 was the cover date. $3.99 was the cover price. Story and art were by Walter Simonson. Coloring was by Laura Martin. Letters by John Workman. Scott Dunbeer was the editor. And apparently Lovern Kinzierski was a color assistant on this issue. The cover shows Thor with his hammer glowing, kind of floating in the air above a great big wolf face going, Arr! and yeah, beautiful cover there. Uh, very uh, effective use of uh, color here with the, uh, the, the glow around the hammer. Very, very cool. And uh, yeah, their story so far, driven by a vision of Odin, Thor descends into Helheim, the realm of the dead, to try to discover the fates of both its ruler, Hel, and his brother, Baldur. He is initially imprisoned by Friar, a self-styled lord of Helheim, who plans to conquer the Dusklands, but who has given up those plans in the wake of his encounter with the Thunderer. Now Thor seeks the Hellway, the road that will take him on his quest into the very depths of Helheim. And we pick up exactly where we left off last issue, and that is Thor confronting Nidog, who was the uh, worm that gnawed on the roots of Yggdrasil until after Ragnarok. Now he appears to be a bridge. <laughs> and he is, um, looks like he's tied up with cables and there's a bunch of wooden stakes and stuff. He's much, looking much like a bridge. And just to give a reminder, he looks like this big giant dragon worm type thing with armor bolted onto his face. So he's got like this metal armor on his face. He's pretty cool looking, I must say. And uh, we have a little bit of exposition here. In the days of Yggdrasil, the great ash tree that was the cosmic axis of the nine worlds, the serpent Nidhogg lay among its roots, continually devouring them. Now in the wake of Ragnarok, the tree has fallen, the nine worlds have collapsed, 
and Nidog glides across the great cataract at the border of Helheim, a writhing bridge between the realms of the living and the land of the dead. And uh, we have dialogue here. Uh, the title of the story, incidentally, is called The Wolves of Helheim. That must explain the wolf on the cover. And uh, Nidhogg says, Thor! And <laughs> Thor, uh, Thor says, Greetings, Nidhogg. I didn't think to find you here. A sad come-down for the great worm who once threatened all of existence. You speak bravely, little olden son, but where are the gods now? Dead. And you, the pathetic last gasp of a fallen kingdom. Your time will come, and sooner than you think. That may be, Nidhogg, but not as soon as some. How did you come to this pass? Go to hell. I'll bet you say that to all the passers-by. Perhaps my father's eye will reveal the answer. Yes, if you remember back in the first series, Thor got Odin's eye and stuck it in his, in his face. And he is looking, looks like kryptonite vision, but that he's, it's his x-ray vision, essentially. And uh, yeah, so he's looking at uh, Needhog with uh, Odin's eye and sees that the spine is shattered into a million pieces. And yeah, it does not look good. Thor says, perhaps my father's eye will reveal the answer. A broken spine. So falling Yggdrasil exacted its revenge at last. I can see why you are bound to the cliffs at either side of the cataract. A broken serpent to be trampled by the feet of the dead on their journey into the Dusklands. But there was no cataract separating Helheim from the other nine worlds. Yeah, Needhog doesn't like what he's hearing here. And then Ratatosk says, uh, Knucklehead! Spell stinky poison? Sea-winding serpents? Virgomir Spring, source of all waters, broke edge of collapsing worlds. Now, Endless Spring falls into Gingug Gap. Primordial Void reclaims its own. How do you know all this, says Thor? Get real. Thor think feeding him nectar all I did for hundreds of years waiting for Sleepyhead to wake up? I travel Dusklands using Dvergergates, gates. Learn stuff. Better than napping. Waiting to squirt more apple juice into smelly mouth. Awful breath. Thanks, says Thor. Welcome, says Ratatosk. But Needhog still serves mistress. Allows Ted to walk into Dusklands. Bad. Hell, have you come to talk to her? Says Needhog. Well, then cross over me. The hellway lies just beyond my tail. We'd still have to tread upon your head, says Thor. I think not. And he kind of swerves aside on Lady as uh, Needhog snaps at them with a snapped. And uh, he's kind of just kind of going around Needhog at this point and uh, kind of bouncing around on his horse lizard thingy. And uh, Thor says, Fortunate for us that your bonds fasten you so securely to the cliffs. If I'm granted the mercy to escape Helheim, we'll resume our chat later. And uh, Needhog is going, uh, as serpents do. He goes, Lady, we're going down. And a uh, lady jumps, uh, does massive jump, and then lands with a uh, buff cram. Thor says, the upper end of the hallway. You made it, lady. And then she kind of stops and isn't going any further. And uh, Ratatosk is like, what happened? The weight of the living is too much for the land of the dead. This is as far as she can fly. I'm sorry, pretty girl. I'll have to leave you here. You won't lack for food. The Draugar are plentiful. 
and we'll find fresh meat when we return to the Dusklands. And Eratatosk is uh, saying, Why do you think we returned? You told Worm, if. Wait, we walk into Helheim? I am, says Thor. You're staying here with Lady Eratatosk. No chance. Your flippancy might undo you. Helheim is a grim place. You can keep Lady company. And eat what? Dead guys? I'll leave you some apple slices, and you can find nuts or whatever it is squirrels eat. Sick of apples. Look around, bonehead. This look like nut country to you? Well, can you get along by yourself, lady? And lady goes, snort. And Ratatosk says, uh, sarcasm unnecessary. Ratatosk happy leave you here too. Come on then, says Thor. And Ratatosk perches on Thor's shoulder and they go wandering off into Helheim. And it says, in an hour and a half deeper into Helheim, we see a bunch of... Uh, they look like statues, and I, I'm guessing that they're corpses or maybe like the soul iron sort of things that, that we had in uh, uh, Friar's Kingdom. But anyway, um, they uh, react to uh, sounds coming up from ahead, and uh, Redditos says, What's rocket up ahead? It's one of the serpents from the Fergomir, says Thor, and it has the upper hand. And it's fighting against a wolf. This must be one of the wolves of Helheim, as, as the title of the story suggests. And it is a, like, it looks like a smaller version of, of Needhog, but it, it is subtly different. I mean, the, the skull is a different shape, and yeah, but, but it, it is similar to Needhog in a lot of ways. The serpents are going, and um, the, uh, it's biting the, the wolf. The wolf is wrapped in its coils and is trying to, uh, to fight it. And uh, the, the serpent seems to be uh, choking it with it with its mouth. And Thor says, Wolves were among Odin's most faithful companions. I can't let him die like this. I've got to get close enough to call to the serpent. You speak serpent? Says Ratatusk. I speak everything. And then uh, Thor says, Sst! Uh, really loud. And the serpent looks up and he goes, and Thor is kind of climbing down a uh, cliff at the uh, serpent and then takes Mjolnir and throws it at the serpent and basically destroys its head with a splokerp. And the wolf is free, sort of. And he's still wrapped up in the coils of the serpent, but Thor kind of jumps on top of the wolf and he starts to unwrap it. He says, lie still. I'll have you unwound in a moment. And the wolf says, Who, who are you that speaks the language of my enemies but saves an old warrior? A friend, says Thor. Now let me see. Don't bother, says the wolf. I am dying. <clears throat> my ribs are crushed. The serpent's kin will be coming. There are many of them. You should go. Too late, I think. And there are, looks like about seven or eight of these uh, serpents coming at them. And the air surrounding him basically. Thor uses his hammer to uh, to smash a couple of them, and you know they're coming closer and closer. And Thor's thinking to himself, "If I unleash the lightning at this range, it'll kill the old wolf for sure." And there's a, a giant uh, owl coming uh, from beyond, and Thor's thinking to himself, "A wolf pack." And the serpents have noticed this too. And we see there's a, a bunch of wolves descending on the serpents. 
And the serpents turn around and they run. So I guess the the uh, so many wolves would be a scary thing for these serpents. And uh, yeah, so they're running away. And Thor is talking to the wolf pack and uh, he says, I'm sorry, I was too late to save him. And the uh, the wolves are like, you were never on time when it mattered. What? says Thor. You look different, but we know who you are, Thunderer. Err. Maybe we should just kill you now, says one of the wolves. And uh, Thor is uh, thinking, you know, something strange is happening. I've never encountered these wolves before, yet I can feel their anger and their fear enveloping me. I must look deeper to see what... And he uses Odin's eye again to kind of show what these wolves truly are. And it turns out it's like they're actual like human warriors or god warriors. And they're, um, yeah, it's kind of glowing ghostly behind these uh, wolves. And Thor realizes who they are. And he goes, Einherjar, you are Einherjar, warriors of Valhalla chosen by the Valkyries to feast in Asgard and fight on the battle plain of Vigrid on the day of doom. How came you here? And in these forms... We might ask you the same question, Thunderer, but how could you recognize us? We fought alongside the gods, and you, you were missing. Even when the gods were dead, we held our ground. And we see scenes in the battle of the warriors holding off all the the evil monsters. But there was no way out for us against Vigrid. Behind us, the great ship Nagalfar rested at anchor, still sitting where she had disgorged her cargo of the dead of Helheim to attack the gods and their allies. We raced up the empty gangway and formed our shield wall at the top, across the entrance to the ship. When they came for us, the way was too narrow. We slaughtered them, and we see them slaughtering all the uh, dead. We could have held them off forever. Finally, a pair of huge trolls shattered the anchor chains and set the great ship adrift. No doubt they hoped the ship would founder in the stormy seas, drowning us all. And, yeah, so the Ironheart are trapped on the ship. It's floating around in the, in the ocean. But we are Vikings, masters of the sea. Even with less than a skeleton crew aboard that great vessel, we weathered the storms and survived. Until at last, drawn by the fierce currents, we crested an enormous cataract. As the ship plunged into infinity, we leapt across the chaos to the near shore. Most of us made it. We soon learned that we had set one foot on the inner rim of Helheim, for even as we touched the earth, we were transformed into wolves. Perhaps Helheim reveals one's true nature, or Hell just enjoys her little jokes. And so we see this happening, and as they leap to the shore, they're changing into wolves. Soon enough, we found the way of things here in the upper reaches of Helheim, the poison serpents of Ergomir spill out of the cataract. Some fall into the gap, but many fall on to the lower realm. Nidog gives them safe passage to the upper realms. We have chosen to stay and slay as many as we can to prevent them from entering the Dusklands above. We have slain countless thousands of them, but over the centuries our numbers have diminished. The time will come when there will not be enough of us to hold them back. And the Dusklands will be overrun by the serpents and the dead, the legacy of the gods' defeat at Vigrid. And where was Thor when Helheim broke loose and tore the worlds apart? Where? 
I don't know if you have a proper throat or not, but I'm willing to tear out whatever you have left and end your miserable existence here and now. And Thor is looking vaguely ashamed of himself, but uh, yeah, he's listening to the what the wolves have to say. And we shift scenes, and we are in a village, many leagues, it says, from the rim of Helheim, and we have a human-type person, uh, looks like he's trying to untie this big, complicated knot, and uh, he's, he's uh, thinking to himself, damn it, I can't loosen the cord. That stupid troll ties knots like I've never seen, and I can't afford to leave traces by cutting it. Maybe I can tease it loose by... Eh? And he notices something behind him, and it is Drifa, the little blue dark elf girl from the first series, and she's like, hello, Kali. Oh, uh, hi, Drifa. I was just, just making sure that the door was secure. Great knots. That troll does so much for the village. I thought I could maybe give him a hand. I'm sure Javik will be very grateful. You bet. Time to turn in. You should get to bed now, too. It's late. And he's thinking to himself, creepy little spy. I can't wait to see her chained in Muspelheim in tears before great Surter. He'll break her all right and put her talents to good use. And we have seen that we're back with Thor and wolves. And uh, Thor is telling his story to uh, the wolves. I was imprisoned, unable to get to Vigrid. I know what it cost you and all those that died there. If you kill me, I will be unable to avenge my family and friends and your lost companions. But I cannot repair that damage. And if my life is forfeit as Vergild, then so be it. I'm ready. Then die, says one of the leader wolves. And uh, the injured wolf, who um, was the one that Thor saved, says, uh, Hold, Ulfbert. Don't kill him. Geralt, says the wolf. I would not witness such a thing before I die. We swore oaths of fealty to the gods. Whatever we have become, we are not murderers and oath-breakers. He betrayed us. That shatters all bonds, says one of the wolves. For him, not for us. We gave our word, and how we treat him is our burden, not his. Roar, says the evil wolf. As always, Geralt, you speak wisely. But it isn't freedom I crave at the moment. It's blood. I shall not forget that you spared my life, Ulfbert, whatever your desires. It is possible that I might be able to restore your original forms. We want nothing from you save your absence, coward. Then I shall depart. But not before I express my gratitude and thanks to you, Geralt. I didn't do it for you, Thunderer, but for the sake of my fellows. Why did you even come here? Do you truly seek Hell herself? Yes. Like me, she was absent at Vigrid. But her dead wander the Dusklands. I would know why. And I would learn the fate of my brother Balder, who perished before the final battle began and dwelt in Hell. You know what of these matters? No. Hell hasn't visited the Rim since before our time. And none of us have ever seen Balder. Then I'm off, says Thor. But I will leave behind one gift to show my gratitude for your loyalty to the gods and your oath. And he takes some apple slices and, and throws them among the wolves. These are slices from the apples of Eden. They are all I have. They will refresh you and heal you. Or poison us, most likely. 
We eat the bones of the dead, not fruit. Suit yourself, says Thor, but the slices are yours to do with as you will, with my blessing. Farewell. And Thor takes off in a giant jump, and they're going to leap across this giant chasm and lands on the other side. And we see that Ratatosk has just kind of been hiding during this whole time. Uh, I can guess why, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, he, he doesn't say, he's not saying anything. And uh, Thor says as he lands on the other side, you were uncharacteristically quiet back there, Ratatosk. Try to be invisible. Afraid I might look like snack. We cut back to the, uh, the wolves chatting amongst themselves, having a conversation. Is it only coincidence that Thor and Hell were both absent during the great battle? You think they might be in collusion? Anything is possible in the days, even that. I will follow Thor into the depths of Helheim. If I discover he betrayed the gods, we will kill him when he returns. The rest of you, back on patrol. The serpents will be gathering again. I would die alone. And apparently there's a uh, yeah a young wolf who uh, joins among them, and he's like, White Tip, what are you doing here, daughter? Come to say... Goodbye. Oh, Father, is there nothing I can do? And there's a, a little puppy wolf here. It's uh, kind of sniffing at the uh, the apple slices. And uh, she's like, Shadow, no, it could be poison. And Shadow goes, Eek! But it smells like candy, Mama. All the more reason to be suspicious, little one. It might be. And uh, she sniffs at it, and she's like, It does smell Sweet, is it possible that... White Tip, take Shadow and go. I am dying, and what matters poison to me now? We must know. And uh, so, yeah, I take it that he's going to eat one of these things and get better probably. And we shift scenes again, and we are back at the bad guy grouping. We got Cert and Trim and a bunch of other uh, baddies here all assembled together. And in the Ganunga Gap... And Sert says, Ah, fellow allies, it is dawn. I have just received word that Hell has agreed to our proposed bargain. My fire dwarves are already at work. (laughs) Soon we shall solve two problems at the same time, and the last of the gods and goddesses will finally be history. Then it's time to depart, says one of the giants. Keep us informed, great Surtur, and let us hope nothing goes wrong. Nothing shall, O king of the trolls, to home and hearth until we meet again. And Surt's thinking to himself, and when we do, I shall be master of you all. And uh, people are uh, kind of thinking to themselves what they think, and we have the, one of the dwarves is thinking, Surtur is too powerful and too full of himself. As one of the women is thinking, should do something about him next. And Jormungand's thinking, Jormungand more powerful than any of these fools. And uh, then we have one of the trolls thinking, with horror and hell dead, there may be a way to create conflict between Surt and the Frost Giants. Only one troll wife is smart enough to rule the Dusklands. And uh, another is thinking, if I could just manage to... Yeah, and it says uh, in a few moments it was this, the conclave had never been. 
and the conclave is dissolved and everybody has gone off to their own separate place. And we have a to be continued. And we get a preview of next issue's cover, which is a very creepy picture of probably, I'm thinking it's hell, as uh, a half-living, half-dead face. So I'm guessing that's who it is. So that is uh, Ragnarok issue number four. And uh, we have, as always, we have the, the cover sketch, uh, you know, rough pencils, layouts, and then the, the uh, preliminary pencils uh, with inks. And then we have the fully colored version, uh, which is what uh, Simonson likes to do. And that's very, very cool. And uh, yeah, so yeah, so we will be talking all about this issue, but we'll be doing it right after this message. How Star Wars is it? Hi, I'm Josiah. And I'm Mike. And we're the host of How How Star Star Wars Is It? It's a podcast where we rate and review things like movies. But not of how good or bad they are. Yeah, no, how Star Wars they are. And what does that mean, you might ask? It's a little something like this. If Star Wars was Everybody Loves Raymond, this is King of Queens. If Chris Farley was still around. Yeah, Kevin James wouldn't exist. I have a game. It is called Sebulba or Bulbasaur. (laughs) Yeah, when he was a Palpatine. Do we have like an animated show that we could pitch? The Emperor and, and his it takes Palpatine. Place at Count Dooku is around his age, plus yeah, or minus like, a decade. Maybe like Count Dooku. That's really funny. <laughs> if that sounded good, or Star Wars, then check us out on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts at How Star Wars Is It? And like we always say, may, may the, the fourth, fourth be with you. you. And we're back with a few comments about the issue as usual. So yeah, um, it continues to be really, really interesting. Is it just me or is Simonson's art becoming more and more sketchy, less detailed? There's some very strange choices that, that he's making in this issue. I don't think that he's rushing the artwork because, I mean, he's had like three months to, to draw the issue. So I, don't, I really don't think that that's really factoring into this. But... There's some scenes here of the Einherjar where they literally don't have faces. I mean, they just kind of, you can see facial hair, but nothing else. It, it seems very odd. It's, it, I know that this is just a natural progression of, of Simonson's style as he gets older, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, I, I will say the art still is fabulous. The layouts are fabulous. Looks great. Uh, but the... Um, the whole, yeah, the sketchiness and, and lack of detail that we're getting in some of these pages is, it's confusing because Simonson traditionally is somebody who does put a lot of detail into his art and and a lot of really nice touches into his art. And we get some very, very loose pencils and then the close-ups look amazing. And, the, and of course, that's been a, always been a thing with Simonson. But it, it, yeah, it just seems more so now uh, as we go forward in the series. Um, the story is interesting. The, the story is taking some parts of, of Norse mythology that don't get addressed a lot, certainly not in, in Thor comics from Marvel. And the things like Needhog, you know, I think that Needhog was used in Marvel maybe once or twice. It was not a, a regular character, but it was, yeah, th- th- they're using it in an interesting way. Okay, so, you know, because the world tree collapsed, Needhog is tied up. Who tied him up? That's not really explained, um, but somebody tied him up and basically turned him into a bridge. 
Um, I guess that's one way to explain it. And of course, they have the, the spring Fergomir. I don't remember it being full of serpents, um, but I could be wrong about that. I, I mean, I'd have to go back and check the lore. And you, as you all know, I'm a little bit too lazy to do that. But uh, I don't remember Fergomir being full of serpents, kind of raining down into, in this case, into Gnunga Gap and also into Helheim occasionally. So, yeah. Not really sure what's going on there. I'm not sure where the serpents are coming from. The idea of the the Einherjar becoming wolves, I think, is an interesting touch. And it's interesting, you know, they, they, they land on the lip of Helheim and they change into wolves. Now, why would they change into wolves? I don't know. That's just sort of something that hasn't been explained, at least not yet. Maybe we'll get an explanation for that, whatever. The Einherjar, though... My understanding of the Einherjar is that they're all dead. Um, these are dead warriors that went to Valhalla. And they're having children, apparently, because we have White Tip, who is the daughter of, you know, Alfheim or whatever. It's not Alfheim, but the, the, the injured wolf. And then she has a puppy. So, okay. Um, so these undead wolf things are breeding and it seems like a kind of thing that living creatures would do rather than dead creatures. I, you know, I mean, you can all, you can easily hand wave it away by saying it's, it's magic, but it still seems odd to me. We'll just put it that way. Um, other than that, I don't have any particular problem with this idea of them changing into wolves, even though it's not really explained. It is cool. It makes for a good explanation for why, They've got these wolves and serpents fighting at the edge of Helheim. And yeah, whether or not uh, Simonson will come back and explain this, I really don't know. All right. Uh, so the, yeah, that's about all I have to say about this issue. Another good one here. We've got a couple of issues left uh, before we move on to our next little thing. But anyway, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you want to email the show, you can do so. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also join us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard over there and you will find us. And with that, I'm back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard. And we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review Send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>